Hey, welcome back to A Verse, A Comment, A Prayer, A Blessing. Today is February 12th, 2024, and this is a little bit more of an extended um, devotional today, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It's entitled, The God We Can't Control, and uh, I hope I don't come across as uh, too animated this morning. Um Part of the reason why this one is as long as it is, and this is coming as late in the day it is as it is, is because I just really enjoyed studying this passage, and as I studied it, it um, just the Lord put a lot on my heart uh, that I I think can be really helpful for us as we reflect upon it. So um, let's jump in and receive the Lord's word um, as we as we read it. So beginning in. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies." So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, A god has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter." For 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell, and the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, died. This is a amazing passage that I want us to reflect upon this morning. So I want to try to break down some of what we find in the passage and uh, then give some comments on just the, the theology and the implications that this passage has for us as readers. The beginning of verse 1 provides a transition from Samuel's call as a prophet 
to the story of the Ark of the Covenant, sometimes called the, the Ark Narrative. In a sense, then, we are moving away from Samuel's story for a few chapters to consider the situation of the Israelites and their priesthood under Eli and his sons, which is tied to Samuel's prophecy from 1 Samuel chapter 3. In terms of what we will encounter in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we will witness the terrible consequences of assuming God can be controlled. With the first words of the second part of verse 1, we see the Israelites going to war with the Philistines. Some scholars believe these words should be tied to the first sentence of verse 1 regarding the word of Samuel coming to all of Israel. Other scholars think that we should read the beginning of verse 1 as a conclusion to 1 Samuel 3.21. At this point, it's helpful to remember that chapter and verse divisions were not part of the original text of Scripture. They were added hundreds of years after the canonization of Scripture. So there is a very real sense in which it is a judgment call on the part of the reader to determine whether or not we should interpret the second half of verse 1 as related to the first half of verse 1 or as an independent introduction to a new section. If you read the second half of verse 1 as tied to the first half of verse 1, then you could interpret what follows in 1 Samuel chapter 4 verses 2 through 11 as a response to Samuel's words which lead or which led the Israelites to engage the Philistines in battle. I however, in light of the rest of 1 Samuel chapter 4 2 through 11, believe it's best to read the first section of verse 1 as a conclusion to the end of chapter 3 and the second half of verse 1 as an introduction or as introducing a new section about the Ark of the Covenant. I believe this understanding of the structure of the passage makes the most sense of what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 4 verses 2 through 11. But what do I mean by this? I mean that what we see is the Israelites making assumptions about the presence and blessing of God in their battle with the Philistines, which leads to their defeat. If we read that Samuel's words to the Israelites told them to go to war with the Philistines, then we have a few things that we have to deal with. First, if Samuel told them to go to battle with the Philistines, then we have to explain why the Israelites lost the battle. Uh, There is an explanation for this. One explanation could be that Samuel was sending them into battle so that God's prophecy regarding Hopni and Phinehas would uh, be fulfilled, which we see at the end of verse 11 after the capture of the Ark and the Covenant. The other way to read this passage is to see the first part of verse 1 as a conclusion to chapter 3, and then the second part of verse 1 as a new section wherein the Israelites presume upon the Lord's presence and blessing in their military action against the Philistines. Based on the text itself, we do not see any indication that the Lord called the Israelites to go to war with the Philistines at this point in their history. Furthermore, we see the Israelites using the Ark of the Covenant as a means to an end instead of the symbol of the Lord's presence in their midst. Now, given how pathetic the priesthood was in those days, we should not be surprised to see the Israelites taking the gift of the Lord's presence in the form of the Ark of the Covenant in Shiloh and attempting to use it however they saw fit. Initially, 
When they lost the battle, they wondered why the Lord had allowed them to be defeated. The Israelites blamed the Lord for their loss without ever considering that maybe it was their sin or presumption that caused their defeat. So they responded by bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the battlefield, assuming that God could be controlled. But this was a tragic error. God is not a thing to be manipulated for the satisfaction of the desires of our flesh. We cannot simply carry His presence into the midst of our endeavors and expect Him to bless the things that He has not authorized. As later passages like Psalm 78, 56, and 58 describe, When we take the Lord and attempt to fashion Him into our own likeness and conform Him to our own wills, we are guilty of sinful idolatry. He might be present in the midst of our endeavors, just as the ark was present when the Israelites went into battle with the Philistines a second time, but He won't be there to bless it. It will be to discipline us. There are so many things that I could mention here. But admittedly, this devotional is already longer than normal. However, I need to mention a few things that we need to understand as we prepare to approach God in prayer. This passage teaches us that God will not be controlled by us. He is the potter. We are the clay. We do not get to bring God. We don't get to bring him into whatever we want to accomplish and expect him to do it. Brothers and sisters, I need you to hear this again. God will not be controlled. If he could be controlled, then he would cease to be God. I see this so often with people who misinterpret and misapply the Bible in ways that claim that God always wants to bless us with material prosperity. It may be health, it may be wealth, or other forms of prosperity. They will quote passages like Jeremiah 29, 11, which say, I know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Assuming that this passage means that God never intends for us to go through hardship, difficulty, or discipline. Now, of course, most people who quote this passage are either ignorant or willfully disregarding its context, which situates the passage in the context of Babylonian exile for Judah. Most people don't want to be reminded of this cute Bible verse that we put on our bags and t-shirts, that it appears in the context of 70 years of God's discipline, on his rebellious people. We just read or hear this passage and assume that God will do what I want him to do when I want him to do it, which is the same sin, the sinful presumption that the Israelites committed in 1 Samuel chapter 4, 1 through 11. As we reflect on this passage, we need to be humbled by it. We need to not only read the passage, but to let the passage read us as well. We need it to expose the places in our lives that we have carelessly sought to carry the presence of the Lord, thinking that we could control Him while His Word clearly shows that He will not be controlled. Even as we prepare to pray, we need to recognize that prayer does not make God do anything. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases, according to Psalm 115.3. 
Thus, prayer is not about manipulating God or making Him do whatever we want Him to do, but rather making our request to Him to do in and through us whatever pleases Him according to His will. My prayer is that the Lord would deliver us from this kind of presumption that we see in the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1-11, through 11, and grant us to approach Him with humility, making our requests known without assuming that we will always know what's best in our lives. To that end, I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. Father, as we reflect upon this passage, Lord, we are, we are rebuked, and it is good for our souls to be rebuked, Lord. It is, it is good for us to be corrected. Lord, 2 Timothy tells us, Lord, that your word is good for rebuke. And so, Lord, how often do we seek to sanctify and bless our own efforts by invoking your name, Lord, by, by, by metaphorically, Lord, carrying your ark into our presence to give us a victory, Lord, where you have not authorized a battle. Lord, Lord, forgive us and humble us and correct us, Lord, for your glory and our good. Lord, it is a good thing that you cannot be controlled. You know what's best. So, Lord, grant us to submit our lives to you under your lordship. Lord, under the authority of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived and died and was buried and who rose again, who now reigns and is coming again. Lord, you are not a thing to be manipulated. You are the God to be feared. Lord, and forgive us for how casually we have, Lord, walked into your presence without a reverence for who you are. Lord, help us to receive your word with meekness and for it to bear fruit in our lives in keeping with repentance and faith, Lord. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit that is working in us, Lord, to conform us to the image of your dear Son. Be magnified. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now a blessing. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be blessed today. Go in a peace that is shaped by a right understanding of this God who will not be controlled. And I look forward to you joining me again on February 14th, which will be Wednesday, where we will dig back into 1 Samuel chapter 4 and reflect upon what God would have us learn and know about Him. And lastly, if you are enjoying these devotionals, I would ask you to share them with others. Share them on social media. Share them by email. 
invite people to subscribe to this newsletter. And as I've always said, and will continue to say, this daily devotional newsletter will continue to be free. Other resources may be part of a paid membership, but this is not. Daily reflecting upon God's Word is something that I want to encourage all believers to do. And if this newsletter is helpful to that end, invite others to participate in it and know more about it. Share it with others. And maybe they will subscribe and be blessed by God's Word each day as well. Here on A Verse, A Comment, A Prayer, A Blessing. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me.